0: Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families. Visit GEHA.com.
1: Brain injury, whether sustained at a test firing range or in battle, has long been a priority for the defense medical system. The warfighter Brain Health Initiative this year has boosted its research efforts on service members' cognitive abilities and how certain events can threaten those. For an update, we turn to the Director of Warfighter Brain Health Policy, Kathy Lee. Ms. Lee, good to have you with us.
0: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Brain injury, traumatic brain injury has long been a focus, obviously, of defense health programs. But you now have this Warfighter Brain Health Initiative, something new. Tell us what you're trying to accomplish here.
0: Sure, sure. So the department's top priority is to take care of our people, which includes promoting brain health and countering traumatic brain injury. And as you just mentioned, we've been a world leader in the area of traumatic brain injury or TBI um, care and research. And as we've been since the beginning of the Afghan and Iraqi conflicts. And during that time, we really noticed that we needed to expand our efforts beyond just injury, but to expand those efforts to look at brain threats. And that's really how the Warfighter Brain Health Initiative, or WBHI, was born. This is a a real thing. Um, It's a joint effort between operational and medical forces, and its focus is really to optimize brain health and we we re- are looking at brain health through the lens of optimizing cognitive and physical performance so we're really looking at thinking skills that's very important for warriors uh warfighters service members and so we have a big focus on that and how it gets impacted by threats in the environment such as blast overpressure um training with munitions and 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 such And then all the things that we're doing related to traumatic brain injury is now under this umbrella of warfighter brain health so that we can maximize coordination efforts across the department.
1: And relative to some of the earlier issues that you continuously deal with, that is injuries in battle from concussions or shots or whatever the case might be, this sounds like it kind of brings together a bunch of concerns, including what can happen in training. In firing, not even live rounds, but nevertheless, there's a blank, which is right next to the soldier or the airman's head, whatever, the naval person's head. What are some of the other factors of brain threat that you need to look at?
0: Firing munitions and training. The training environment is one that that we really have an acute focus on right now and awareness to so that we can um, understand better the health and performance brain effects from firing various weapons either as you mentioned live fire or or in training scenarios so what we're really trying to get after is three things we want to be able to monitor that brain threat we want to be able to document the brain threat and we want to instill safety and mitigation efforts to try to avoid unnecessary blast exposures if, 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 as the threat we're talking about right now. But there's other threats we're looking at too, such as, you know, repetitive head impacts and other things that can really um, um, have some type of impact onto your brain health based on what you're doing in an operational environment.
1: Is there a way to monitor and measure what is going on Without having an actual brain subjected to it, that is to say, if a particular, say, shoulder-fired weapon produces a certain concussive and sound proportion that's measurable, can you see what it does to a bowl of jello, for example, instead of what's happening with someone real?
0: So we've just completed a a pretty large initiative over the last four to five years, um, the congressionally mandated initiative, actually. Um, where we looked, we did multiple studies looking at what the health and performance effects are. There have been numerous, what, what you're describing is preclinical, not u- using human beings, but rather preclinical studies that have looked at what the effects can be on the brain tissue, um, on in the blood and looking at different areas within the blood. Um, And then in our human studies, looking at the symptoms and and how it's affecting the person from, in this case, again, um, blast overpressure. But it is noteworthy that the Warfighter Brain Health Initiative is not just looking at blast as a brain threat, but other other things within our operating environment in the U.S. military that could have effects on brain health. And so we're very astute and attuned to those.
1: What are some of those?
0: So repetitive head impacts. Um, That's another area if you are getting your head hit many times from jumping out of uh, airplanes and and, and various other maneuvers. We're also looking at other threats such as um, directed energy threats and and things that could affect the central nervous system based on that. Um, So and, and we're also looking for emerging threats, things in a future fight, future warfare that may end up impacting brain health in training environments or through enemy action.
1: And a few years ago, I was reading about brain health in respect to NFL players. And sometimes there is damage that can only be discerned through an autopsy when the person is deceased and they section the brain and so forth. Have there been advances in the ability to measure the brain of a living person such that you can maybe get a finer grained sense of what's going on with someone? than we could in the days when you had to section a deceased person's brain.
0: Sir, great point. Um, looking at the long-term and late effects from both repetitive exposures and numerous injuries is, is one of our lines of effort. It's actually line of effort four in our plan. So we have a lot of activities and we are accelerating for exactly that purpose that you just said is not to wait until somebody's deceased and you're looking at post-mortem tissue but rather trying to see how we can signal this early on and therefore intervene and be able to provide some treatments. So that's a very active line of research. I can't tell you today that we, we have that for somebody. Um, you know, we're still looking at those brain tissues and understanding, but we are looking at some novel, some other novel ways to be able to pick that up in living folks.
1: We're speaking with Kathy Lee, Director of Warfighter Brain Health Policy in the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs. And what are some of the ways that you measure people through these series of tests and say what's going on in the environment, you mentioned there is a performance issue, a cognition issue, and then that might be distinct to some degree from whatever might be the pathological issue. And what are some of the measures of the cognition and performance that don't involve looking at tissue?
0: Great question. So as I have pointed out, cognition or thinking skills is the main um, indice right now that we're looking at for brain health. So are you brain healthy? We're looking at your cognition. And we're really trying to get that on par. As people know, physical performance is very highly into our culture in the military. And we are working to get the cognitive thinking parts to be on par with that physical performance. So that being said, the cornerstone of this program of Warfighter Brain Health for the department is a cognitive monitoring program. So we are beginning um, this summer to, to perform a cognitive test. We've been performing cognitive tests since 2008 on all those that we're going to pre-deploy. And now we're expanding that requirement to to perform cognitive testing on everybody in the military every five years. So that will be our benchmark to baseline cognition, and that provides us the opportunity to either enhance it and, and improve it or even to to restore it if it's been decremented by some of these brain threats that we've been talking about.
1: Do you ever look at, since given the population that tends to populate the military at the training and infantry and naval warfare and frontline levels, young people, mostly young men, but young women now increasingly, and the effect of... Having their ears plugged with music all the time to a greater extent than anyone in human history is as, as maybe adding a little bit of marginal effect on what they're getting in training.
0: So interesting that you asked that question because the initial military training sites is exactly where we're starting with the cognitive monitoring program. So I can't answer your question about the music and um, that per se, but we are going to be starting that program, as I mentioned uh, next summer or this summer, 2024, with the initial military training sites so that we can ascertain baseline cognitive measures as you enter into the military.
2: And then again,
0: we'll get the rest of the force so that we can ensure we have a baseline on everybody. That includes the guard and the reserve components as well. And every five years, that'll be checked for that intervention time so that you can either enhance it or restore it.
1: And do you exchange information or testing methodologies or, or data with, say, organizations like the NFL or the NHL or, I don't know, worldwide wrestling entertainment?
0: So we have a, a, a very productive and longstanding relationship with the NCAA. That has probably been our our, one of our prime partners in this um, in this uh, inquiry and endeavor to look at brain health and exposures. Um, As I mentioned earlier, we look at sports related concussion. And repetitive head impacts. Um, So that is another threat as well. So we have partnered very uh, nicely and effectively with the NCAA. We do have some some work that we've done with the NFL um, through this over 20 years of really leading the world in traumatic brain injury related um, uh, research and care.
1: And is there a feedback mechanism for what you're learning to say, the people that develop training doctrine, or to the people that develop the uniforms, the head protection, whatever baffles might be on weapons, that kind of thing as well?
0: Yes. the tra- So this, this really takes a, a big community throughout the department and partnerships with other federal agencies, um, with industry, academia. It, it really does take a true partnership. I've already alluded to one with the NCAA. Um, within the Department of Defense, we traverse – this plan goes across – more than 16 different areas within the department of defense so we work closely with our safety offices the operational units special operations command uh explosive Ordnance disposal so various places our clinical communities our education and training as well so we are tightly yoked with the uh, the trade-out community um ensuring that we've got some curricula and training that reflects what these best practices and what we're learning. But I I wanna also mention that the single source of information for Warfighter Brain Health can be found at the Warfighter Brain Health Hub, which is at health.mil slash brain. So that is the one-stop shop, if you will, for all the things that we're learning related to research, clinical care, operational, low-level blast exposure, I could go on and on. Um, but health.mil backslash brain is the single source of information for warfighter brain health.
1: Kathy Lee is director of the Warfighter Brain Health Policy in the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs. Thanks for being with us.
0: Thanks for having me and having an opportunity to talk about this very important topic. Appreciate it.
1: We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts.